0: what up ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of the square circle podcast i'm your host marie shadows and we will continue our g1 climax 33 coverage this is night two it is july 16 2023 before we jump into the g1 we have a word from our sponsors which is zencaster Guys, are you thinking about starting your own podcast? Maybe you should. The world may need to hear your story and your voice, but you don't know where to start. You don't know where to sign up or if you need to pay, don't pay. Like you don't have the answers to your questions. Well, continue to listen and I'll answer everything for you. Zencaster is an easy to use podcasting platform that requires no other thing other than a browser, the internet, your phone, the app. It is very simple to use. It's an all in one podcasting platform where you could create your podcast all in one place and distribute that podcast episode to Spotify, Apple, Google, all other major destinations. Zencaster allows you to have top notch audio quality and even video quality. Did you guys know that your podcasts can increase by just uploading video podcasts? Of course, include the audio too, it's extra content, but your engagement, your retention, more people will flock to your podcast shows if you decide to put video as well as audio. And Zencaster makes it super easy. All you have to do is just send a link to your guests. That guest can open that link on their web browser or on their phone. They don't have to sign up for anything. They don't have to download an app. It is directly via invite for a browser. And they get to open that up on whatever application they are using. Once that happens, you could definitely let your guests know if this is going to be just audio. You guys could go for just audio. Or if it's going to be audio and video, you guys will have to use the camera. And it's all in one app or desktop. So Zencaster makes it super easy to get all those interviews done in no time. And the cool thing about it too is that zencaster can automatically remove those ums and ahs in your recording you might feel a little bit embarrassed or self-conscious no worries the conversations you have with others are going to be so smooth and so awesome because zencaster takes out everything that is awkward It even sets the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with just a click of a button. How cool is that? They give you all the tools at your disposal to use however you wish so you can have the best top-notch quality now if all of that sounds really really awesome and you want to be a part of the Zencaster family which I highly recommend and I use it for my podcast this podcast episode is made by Zencaster so if all of that made you hype this is what I'm going to need you guys to do go to Zencaster.com Forward slash pricing. That is Z E N C A S T R dot com forward slash pricing. And use my code, which is just three simple letters SCP, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all of my podcasting and content needs. It is time to share your story. Again, that is Zencaster.com forward slash pricing. Enter in my offer code, which is SCP. So that way you could get that 30 percent off and have excellent podcasting quality and have a place for a podcasting home with all the tools at your disposal. So that way you can have great quality sounding podcasting like no other. All right, let's now get back to the G1 coverage. For July 16, 2023, this is night two of the G1 Climax 33. These are the matches for C and D block. We start things off with C block, Tomohiro Ishii versus David Finley. This was a very good match. Whenever Ishii's in the ring with David Finley, Tama Tonga, Jay White, Those guys always have the best matches that I really do enjoy watching and analyzing. It's a really good match. In the early part of this match, Finley is trying to bring out that aggressive side of Ishii. And Ishii goes for it, you know. Um, There is no bait for this. David Finley definitely wants a very good match. And he knows he could get it out of Ishii. Finley tries to do some shoulder tackles. There's some huge forearm that rocks Finley from Ishii but David Finley always goes back to that chop block so chop blocks Ishii and then Finley starts working on Ishii's knee at one point in this match Ishii is like you can destroy my knee all you want and at that point this is when Ishii starts to beat the shit out of Finley and does a vertical suplex Ishii follows that up with a saido suplex Finley, however, he's a very crafty wrestler whenever he's in the ring with Ishii. He ends up throwing Ishii neck first onto the ropes and then using that momentum, the bounce from the ropes and Ishii's momentum as he's coming towards him to do like a makeshift blue thunder bomb. He didn't get it fully, but he managed to do the rotation and got him down. However, that's not going to keep Ishii down. So Finley has to try some other things, and he ends up trying to do the Irish curse, but as he does it and goes for the cover, Ishii kicks out. This whole entire match was about power and who could give up first. We have a big power bomb that was done by Ishii, and he did a stack pin, but Finley kicked out using those leg muscles, even though both guys were exhausted at this point. Finley manages to knock out Ishii for a couple of seconds and retreats to the neutral corner to get some breath back in, get some energy back into his body. He does not go for the cover, and you would think that that would be a mistake. However, it really isn't a mistake. He decides to get ready for X marks the spot by removing his knee pad. So that way, when he does his finisher, the opponent can land directly on his knee. Finley comes in with some headbutts. So does Ishii. We get a huge lariat that turns Finley inside out. And at this point, after Finley kicks out, there is five minutes left. What I'm really appreciating about these 20-minute matches is that they feel very dire now. All these matches feel very urgent and they have to definitely pick up the pace. So in the last five minutes of this, we have Finley capturing Ishii and flips him on his shoulder to deliver a face buster and then follows it up with into oblivion which what i believe used to be called the trash panda and goes over for the cover one two three finley gets his two points in the g1 climax 33 for the second night finley has yet to resort to any type of bullet club tactics And if you guys don't know what Bullet Club tactics are, I coined that when Jay White was the leader of Bullet Club and he would wrestle people on the outside and take advantage of that and have him control their breathing and control the match and use the outside to their advantage. Finley has yet to do that. Finley has been a very great competitor inside the ring and has not tried to think of using chairs or using Gato. Gato hasn't really interfered as much. And this is a chance for Finley to not only win over fans. And by the way, the fan discourse on Finley on Twitter is stupid. Like this dude deserves all the respect in the world. And for some reason they still think that Jay White is a leader when it's like he clearly isn't. But, Like I said, I still think Jay White is delusional. That's why we still have Bullet Club gold. But anyway, Finley here is doing a great job of maintaining his composure and not really tapping into what Bullet Club used to do. Even though we can see that we have Gabriel Kidd who's unhinged and definitely wants to make a statement every single time and wants people to know that, you know, this is where he's at now gabriel Kidd has all the potential in the world and right now he's still figuring things out but he's definitely one of the best to do it and he has lovely matches even though they're all fighting and everything by the way if gabriel Kidd's matches were ever like everyone else's it would get so fucking boring like i appreciate him being unhinged and going out there being crazy fighting in the crowd and stuff. I appreciate all that because I can wake up, get that energy and be like emotionally invested into the match and see what he does during the match. Like I don't want boring matches all the time, all the way through. We got to like switch it up. Right. And then when we get to Addict Coughlin in this review, I'll talk about what happened to him. I just want to make sure people understand that like Finley has yet to do any bullet club tactics from the previous leaders and the previous bullet club runs so that's a very good point to keep in mind and that's something to watch in the upcoming g1s in the upcoming years david finley is here to stay he created war dogs because he wants to show you the future of new japan pro wrestling and the future of wrestling again david finley picks up two points for his win our next match is d block goto versus yano why am i even entertaining this at least it wasn't a quick match it was still silly it's goto versus yano and it actually went on for maybe like 11 minutes maybe i'm not even sure what time it ended but yeah just know that goto does the gtr goes for a pin goto gets two points in his g1 match against yano there's really not much story to tell you guys here nothing really too extravagant or really in depth it was just yano versus goto for a feel good match and that's about it for c block we have mikey nichols versus hinare we gotta talk about hinare for a second we gotta talk about the homie the internet needs to stop with the hinare slander If you're not going to talk to the person directly to get an idea for what they believe in, what they think, how they think, like, don't go throwing stones at someone who doesn't live in a glass house. And I know that's not the phrase, but... People who want to easily cancel somebody or easily get upset or find a fake outrage in something that doesn't align with their thoughts, with their feelings. They're always quick to judge. They're always quick to throw that stone. And yet in the same breath will tell others, oh, don't judge me for X, Y and Z. But you're judging somebody for whatever they think, believe and basically grew up believing And that's their environment. You cannot enforce American ideals on Hinare, who is of New Zealand, who is Maori and a tribal chief. Like you cannot impose American beliefs and ideals onto a guy that was never born and raised in America and has his own way of thinking. And by the way, he's a grown ass man. Let him think what he wants to think. As long as. In general, as long as people don't hurt other people, we're okay, man. Like, I don't understand why people would have to enforce what they think and want to spread stupid-ass shit over the internet, over nothing. Nothing at all. Okay? So, Hinari is awesome. Hinari also came back with new facial markings. They are called Matara. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm going to have to get Hinari on the record on how to pronounce This and like other words in Marori. Just know that I cannot roll my R, and every time that I hear him speak, he rolls his R's. And I'm like, I can't do that, sir. So I'm gonna have to get him on the record to just do voiceover for me for whenever I need it. So he showed up with it at the G1. He revealed his face, and man, I kind of made the joke that he was gonna do the AJ Styles entrance because it really did look like it. But then once he revealed and took off the hood, man, you can see how sacred and how important it is for him to have this and showcase this to the world and be a wrestler while doing it and have the spotlight. You know, most of the time in America, we think that most indigenous people are not really around or they're somewhere, but they don't really get talked about. They don't really get to be known, you know, so for Hinari to do this on a grand stage like New Japan Pro Wrestling and everybody accepting him for it, like, it's amazing. I'm so proud of him for doing this, and I know how much it means to him to really do this and definitely teach people about Maori and, like, be proud of that. Like, I fucking love it. As for Mikey Nichols, I have no idea what his character is or his motivations are, so I can't really get too much into his character other than he's a wrestler and he wrestles and he really survived in this match against Hinare. He survived like Hinari was on a whole nother level. Now that he has his mana with him, which is not only his energy but the energy of his ancestors. And there was just something different about Hinari, man. Like it was a lot more intimidating. It was a lot more, Forceful and powerful. And while Mikey is the same way too. Mikey is powerful. Mikey is tall. Mikey got that strength. But like I said, he survived in this match because Hinari got him with some Samoan drops. This Mexican surfboard, but then turned it into a curb stomp. However, Mikey tried to make a comeback with a DDT and then a tornado DDT to add more impact to his moves. However, Hinari kicked out. Hinari is not going to go down that easily. Mikey did pull out a top rope superplex to Hinare, and that shit looked like it fucking hurt. And then these two get into a headbutt exchange. First of all, rule number 101. This applies to Samoans, Tongans, Maoris, Polynesians. Do not, I repeat, do not headbutt them, okay? They are stubborn, but nice men, okay? I've interacted with all three. OK, I've interacted with Lance on Hawaii, Jacob Fatu, Juicy Fatu, all at M.O.W. I've interacted with Tama. I haven't interacted with Hikaleo and or Loa yet, but eventually that will happen. And I interact with Hinare. So I've interacted with like Tongans, Samoans and Maori, all Polynesians. And I could definitely tell you that you do not want to headbutt any one of them. I haven't even like... Touch any of their heads, but you could just tell you could just tell that they have like a thick ass head because they're stubborn. So, if you're gonna headbutt them, you're gonna feel the effects and you're gonna go, ow. Listen, Jay Bougie learned the hard way that he tagged me in the tweet about how come no one told him not to headbutt Lance and Hawaii. I was like, bro, that's like Wrestling 101 never headbutt a Polynesian. Okay, so. Mikey over here learned the hard way because he got busted open. The only thing that Hinari got was a little swelling, a little knot on his head. See, this is why you do not, I repeat, you do not headbutt a Polynesian. After the headbutts, Hinari does a liver punch and then locks into Ultima, which is a faux Nelson on Mikey. I believe he's still calling it the Ultima. We get a rope break and then... Mikey goes for a Death Valley driver into a sliding lariat to cover Hinari, but Hinari kicks out. Then Mikey does the Master Blaster. However, because of the force and the weight that Hinari has on him, and how gravity could be so fucking cruel, Hinari did land very, very scary. However, I do say that Mikey tried to at least cushion the blow, because Hinari hit his head on the mat, but Because Mikey dove and tried to adjust with this move. It helped. It really did. It really helped. Hinari is okay. However, Mikey went over to cover. One, two, three. Mikey picks up two points in the G1. If you go and listen to the backstage comments, Hinari is full aware of like where he's at and what he's saying. And basically saying that, you know, he basically won the match. He wants you guys to watch it, to make your own decision, but essentially, he won the match. Mikey was definitely bleeding, but that was a very, very scary bump. Luckily, Hinari is okay. Again, Mikey gets two points in the G1. Now we go to D-block Shane Hayes versus Alex Coughlin. This is the match that I really want to talk about because as much as I was watching like all the backstage promos for this night, you know, Shane says a lot of nonsense that doesn't really need to be there like towards the end. But, you know, he does say that because Alex is young, he's strong and he, you know, he been in the ring with him. So he understands where like all this frustration comes from and how like he's gonna be a big deal. However, because of that frustration and that darkness that Alex has, Shane was trying to make the case and the argument that if Alex stays too long in the darkness, that's gonna work against him. So he wanted to come over to the light side. He was basically using Jedi analogies for this. But I was like, man, let Alex be Alex. There is a reason why Alex and Gabriel Kidd are frustrated. And I understand that the veterans understand this whole thing that these two guys are going through. They understand it. They've been through it. They've been there. But at least show a little bit of empathy, a little bit of a compassion in order to like really get on their level, you know. So we know that Alex Coughlin is this Awesome wrestler, okay? He does things that no one else in wrestling does. There's a reason why we used to call him an android, or I think he still calls himself an android, but it's because of the things that he does. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get exhausted. He does what he has to do. He surprises people. Like I said, he does things out of the ordinary, unorthodox, that no one else in the business does. So this match would definitely have been should have been i should say should have been his in the bag alex was doing moves in this match where sometimes you know to put over the story you're trying to tell of alex especially from a wrestling standpoint not even a character standpoint a wrestling standpoint there should be certain things that are highlighted and i understand that alex is still young in life and young in the business And Shane is a veteran, so he's going to know more stuff than Alex. But this is the first time that you guys are meeting. On a scale of like 1 to 10, how likely are you to go over? Sure, Alex could definitely have a weakness in his armor or something. And you take advantage of that, like later on in the match where the frustration is building because Alex is hitting Shane with all these power moves. This guy literally went to the second rope, grabbed Shane in a deadlift gut wrench suplex from the outside to the inside. That should have expelled a lot of air, shocked him, and maybe get a quick three, like a flash pin for this match. Because it's like, how do you prepare for that? If you have not studied your opponent and you're going in this blind Because this is the first time that Shane and Alex are meeting, right? So I don't think he did any type of tape study the night before or even before the G1. So let's just say hypothetically that like they're going in this blind. How are you going to prepare for that? How do you prepare your body to sort of take that and then make sure you have energy to recover and roll out and make sure the match keeps going? Me explaining that, that's like a perfect world in professional wrestling, right? Like where it will go exactly how it should go when we think about it. So it's moves like that. Alex did a lot of impactful moves to Shane. Again, Shane survived the same way that his tag team partner, Mikey, survived against Tenare. Like you survive against the big guys that are like tanks, powerful and Everything else that comes with it. So because this frustration was building up, building up, building up, Alex decided to grab some chairs, throw it into the ring, and then grab the belt because he didn't give a shit. At this point, the referee could have thrown the match out and then nobody would get any points because the match would be thrown and that's not what you want. However, as the referee is dealing with Alex and takes the belt from him, Alex does push the referee down. So we got a ref bump. So Shane decides to use the chairs on Alex and then does a fireman's carry into like a choke slam on Alex covers one, two, three, and Shane Hayes of TMDK gets two points in his G1 climax match. Now, I understand what they're doing. They're building Alex. They're building Gabe. And eventually they're going to come to a point where maybe Finley is going to be like, guys, I understand that I'm letting you do what you want to do. Get out your frustrations and you're going to bring bodies no matter what. But we got to sort of tighten it up a bit and be a little bit smarter or however they're building this. I just think that wrestlers like Alex wrestlers like Jeff Cobb wrestlers like Hinare, wrestlers like Hikaleo, the big guys where your other ordinary wrestlers have to think of outside-the-box tactics in order to take them down should be highlighted for their awesome skills that they have. You know, you highlight their strengths. And then whatever weaknesses they have, they can work on it in the background, but you want to highlight their strengths. So that way there could be more story- There could be more conflict. There could be more fan loyalty because we all know the Japanese fan base are super loyal and that's why we love them. But it's things like that to give us a little bit of hope that, you know, even though they're young, there is still room for them at this table with everybody else and not to get fucked over. You guys heard me on my multiple other podcast episodes where, you know, if Hanari lost, it would be like, why the fuck is he losing all the time? The same thing with Jeff Cobb, like, why the fuck is he losing all the time? It's just those type of things that, you know, if you highlight their strengths and really push them because of their strengths until somebody is willing to sit down, tape study them and find a way to break this unbeatable monster for what it feels like. Then we'll have a compelling story because now there's conflict introduced to that when you're able to finally take someone off their game and their strategy when they've been using the same thing for a while, but they're good at it and then they can adjust on the fly. But that one night you're able to really upset them and get the victory creates conflict, creates doubt, creates storytelling, because now in the backstage comments, it's not going to be the same thing. They're not going to stand there and try to be all cocky and be like, oh, no one could beat me. They're going to be there now angry and be like, did I not do this enough? Did I not do that enough? Why were you outside the ring with me? Why did you come down and second me? Like there's a lot of Conflict to be made when somebody is able to be taken off of their game after a while of getting victories and just honing in on their skills. Now we come to C block Shingo Tagagi versus Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is our New Japan Pro Wrestling strong openweight champion, and Shingo is looking for some gold at this very moment. There's a lot of shit talking that starts, a lot of strikes. This one was mainly about striking and shit talking and who can withstand the harder chops, the harder forearms. Even some insiguries were thrown in there and some German suplexes, some half and half, some other strikes. It was meant to be strong style versus King's Road style. Eddie Kingston got lucky with this victory over Shingo Takagi. I was not expecting Eddie to get a victory this early in the G1, but he did. And he really got lucky because those back fist attacks definitely hurt Shingo. So because it hurt Shingo, it basically, you know, knocked him off his equilibrium and, you know, it just really wasn't the same. But Shingo managed to go through the whole entire match, give it his all. The same thing with Eddie, but because Eddie was doing those back fists, that is what got him the victory in this match, and he got lucky, like I said. So back fist, one, two, three. Eddie Kingston gets two points in his G1 Climax 33 match against Shingo Takagi. Our next match is D-Block, Tanahashi versus Zack Zaber Jr., now, I thought this was going to be a boring match. It was actually a very intriguing match, a very interesting match. Tanahashi here is using his pro wrestling style more than his high-flying ability that we've seen him, you know, with multiple other matches before this. So the things that you know, Zack Saber Jr. are known for, Tana was doing it. And the things that, you know, Tana was known for, Zack Zaber Jr. was doing it. So, for example, Zack Zaber Jr. did the dragon screw to Tana. Like, this is Tanahashi's favorite thing to do to everybody as a dragon screw. But yet then, here comes Tanahashi with some Zack Zaber Jr. offense, such as submissions. And he was really focusing on trying to get a cross-arm breaker on Zack Sabre Jr. And towards the end of the match, he tries very, very hard to get it in full effect, in full range, this cross-arm breaker. However, Zack Sabre Jr. decides to do a pin while that's happening on Tanahashi and really, like, clutches him in. And Tanahashi does not let go. That stubborn man, he does not let go at all. And that allows the referee to... Go and count one, two, three, because Tanahashi's shoulders are down. And after the fact, Tanahashi feels like shit because it's like he could have kicked out. But that gives Zack Zabel Jr. two points in this G1 Climax 33. Our next match is C-Block Evil versus Tama Tonga. They have fought so many times before. This time is a little bit different where Tama is no longer in Bullet Club and evil is still part of Buddha Club, but he has House of Torture. Like, make it make sense. Make it make sense, Finlay. Just do it for me. Make it make sense, man. That means kick him out. Anyway, Tama knows evil and knows Dick Togo. And this was a pretty fun match. And, you know, shenanigans. Even though Tama put up a good fight, evil put up a good fight. You know, we had the corner turnbuckle exposed like it always is and used as a weapon, even though the referee doesn't do anything about it. There's times where Evil would take the fight outside and thought he was going to win. This guy decided to ring the bell prematurely, but that allowed the count to get restarted. He could have not did that and just went by count out. But Tama managed to come back in at the count of 19 now. Again, like I said, some more shenanigans happen to the point where the referee is down again and the magic killer happens to Tama. However, Tama kicks out at one when the referee is magically revived and counts the one, two, three, but doesn't get there because, like I said, Tama kicks out at one. Then Tama puts the sharpshooter on evil. We get a rope break. We get an amazing Tunga twist with a Supreme Flow happening next. Cover, evil kicks out. Now we get down to Tama getting a surge of fighting spirit within him and ends up doing a cutter to Dick Togo because Dick Togo likes like to get in here and start some shit. And then does a bloody Sunday to Evil, goes for the cover, Evil kicks out. At this point, there are only three minutes left. There is another referee distraction where it causes Evil to do a low blow to counter the gun stun that tama was gonna do and then bam here comes everything is evil evil goes covers tama and gets two points for this g1 why i'll tell you exactly why evil couldn't afford the loss knowing that finley will be dropping people out of bullet club but evil also threatened finley during the g1 press conference by saying remember who's at the fore so Because Evil won this match. Obviously, David Finley is looking at everybody across the board about them winning their matches, maybe not winning the matches, because there's a new philosophy in Bullet Club. With David Finley, he says to bring gold or bring bodies. Evil brings bodies no matter what because this guy is always cheating there's always shenanigans there's always a ref bump so evil really feels that he is confident enough that he's going to be staying in bullet club and he's showing the results the same way that every other bullet club member except for kenta are showing the results however don't think for a second that finley is going to let that comment slide of remember who's at the fore Why are we still doing this that there are two supposed leaders trying to get the number one spot in Bullet Club? Evil and House of Torture do not need Bullet Club. Evil and House of Torture are a household name. They can break away from Bullet Club. They don't need to be there. They're not as young as the War Dogs, except for like Show. Show is probably the only one that can be part of that discussion of like if he could be in War Dogs. But that's besides the point. House of Torture is a household name. They don't need Bullet Club. However, because evil got this victory over Tama, that definitely says a lot. And that's sort of like, think of it like a sacrifice given to the gods, a sacrifice given to Finley to let him know that, you know, the allegiance is so strong. He's always going to be there and he could definitely bring bodies and that he defeated Tama. Tama is one of their adversaries no matter what. So... You know, Evil couldn't afford this loss. Cause if he did, and if he continued to lose, then Finley would definitely kick him out. But don't sleep on that statement of remember who's at the four. Because I can guarantee you that eventually Finley is gonna drop him. Finley is one of those guys where you have to sort of observe from afar and make sure you gotta do what you gotta do. Cause if not he can drop you anytime because he's not prepared to fill Bullet Club up with weak links. So if you can't hold your own, if you can't bring gold or you can't bring bodies, then what else are you good for to be part of this team? Bullet Club is unlike any other faction that New Japan Pro Wrestling has. Our main event for... July 16, 2023, G1 Climax 33, is D-Block, Naito versus Jeff Cobb. I actually like this one. This one was pretty good. Naito put up one hell of a fight, but this was exactly what I was talking about earlier with Alex Coglin and the idea that guys like... Alex and Hinari and Hikaleo and Jeff Cobb, that are big men, like actual big men. They have this unstoppable force behind them and naito tried every which way to get an advantage and sometimes he'll get a little opening but most of the time jeff cobb would have an answer to naito slowing him down here and there controlling the match controlling the pace there are some clubbing blows to naito naito being thrown into the barricade jeff cobb even getting the combination cabron attack that naito does Naito managed to get in one Destino while Jeff Cobb got in Spin Cycle and two tour the islands two different times. And so after that second tour of the island, Jeff Cobb goes over to Naito one, two, three and gets two points for his match and closes out the event with a very funny promo at the end of it. And, you know, like I said, it's to speak to these big guys. They have a lot of skills they have this aura about them that you know you sort of want to see them lose in a way but not lose you want to see what new moves they can do and by the way Jeff Cobb always does a beautiful moonsault a standing moonsault man like that's the most beautiful thing to ever see in a wrestling match done by Jeff Cobb so yeah Jeff Cobb picks up the victory gets two points Again, New Japan Pro Wrestling should be highlighting the unorthodox strength and strategies of the big guys that they have in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So let me take you to the leaderboard now for C and D Block. For C Block, for July 16, 2023, we have Tamatanga at zero, Tomohiri Ishii at zero, Shingo Takagi at zero. Mikey Nichols at 2, Aaron Hinare at 0, Eddie Kingston at 2, David Finley at 2, and Evil at 2. Here are the standings for D-Block, July 16, 2023. Hiroshi Tanahashi at 0, Hiroki Goto at 2, Toru Yano at 0, Tetsuya Naito at 0, Zach Zabu Jr. at 2, Shane Hayes at 2, Jeff Cobb at two and Alex Coglin at zero. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up my review for night two of the G1 Climax 33 on July 16, 2023. Tomorrow, Monday, July 17, 2023, there will not be a G1 event. The guys are currently going over to their next city. So the G1 tournament will resume on Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. And of course, I'll have the updates for you. I'll have the review for you. If you guys want to get extra, extra free content, because I know everyone loves free. So if you want extra, extra free content, The link to my Discord, the Squared Circle Society, will be down in the links below. Please join our Discord, chat with us about wrestling. We have almost every single wrestling event that goes on every single day, every single week. So if you don't want to talk about the G1, you could talk about any of the AEW shows. You could talk about Impact. You could talk about WWE. You could talk about Other shows that we may have missed, like it's a environment to share your passion. And when you're passionate about it, we all get to talk and learn and share our knowledge about professional wrestling. It is not toxic. It is not backstabbing because trust me, I've been backstabbed so many times in this industry of the podcasting world and the wrestling community and just backstage wrestling politics that you know i know and i'll keep close to me but again my discord is not toxic non-backstabby we invite everybody and anyone to come along to chat with us and just so you know monday tomorrow i will be streaming on kick.com forward slash marie shadows currently on the discord there is a a poll going around where you get to decide what matches we're watching on monday For like a quick tape study, because if I do it Tuesday, it's going to put me back with like the kind of work that I have to do with everything across the board when it comes to the G1 and covering the G1. And by the way, I have no one backing me. I am doing this G1 coverage all by myself, like I've been doing for covering New Japan forever. I do it on my own and I fucking love it. I need you guys to encourage me, high-five me, let me know I'm doing a good job. But yes, kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows is where I'm going to be streaming those New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 33 matches based on what you guys voted. So if you want that, that link for the form will be in the description below, just in case if you do not want to go and, um, you know, uh, join the Discord, which you should And by the way, sign up to the Wrestling Newsletter. It is also Square Circle Society. It is an extension of everything that I do here. So it is marieshadows.substack.com. And last but not least, find me on Twitter at Marie underscore Shadows. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me, if not the Discord, if not the newsletter. So at Marie underscore Shadows, marieshadows.substack.com, kick.com forward slash Marie_Shadows. The Discord link will be down in the description below. And of course, last but not least, if you guys need a reminder for Zencaster, head over to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my special offer code SCP to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. Make sure the world can hear your story the same way that the world is hearing My story here with me reviewing the G1 Climax 33. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.